2: Thank you so much for listening to the Road of His College Football Podcast. Before we jump in to all of the lovely content, I wanted to let you know that between the five minute and 15 minute mark, Matt's audio gets a little bit funky, but it does clear up and everything is good to go. So uh, don't let it bug you. Uh, don't freak out when his voice gets super deep and weird. Just keep listening. Enjoy all the content. And uh, without any further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Road of His College Football Show. I'm your host Stefan Lacoe. Joining me, as always, is Matt Wispe. This podcast is being brought to you by BetOnline.ag, and if you go there today, use the code BlueWire. You will receive fifty percent off your initial deposit. We will talk to you more about that in a minute. But before we jump in, Matt, it has been a while. How are you?
3: I am wonderful. How
2: are you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. I, uh, I had a fun weekend watching the Super Bowl. Uh, we had a bunch of people over at the house and I thought, you know, let's let's have some fun. Let's put the, you know, the betting squares up on the wall and get people to sign up. So we had a uh, yeah, we had all the squares lined up, ready to go and game started. And uh, my, my son, who is uh, six, won the first quarter. I won the second and third quarter and my wife won the fourth
3: quarter. So needless to say, uh, people were crying foul. <laughs> hey, I mean, Cross the finish line. The whole family's happy. Uh, you can't be any happier at the end of it.
2: Well, yeah, we uh, we were like, yeah, you guys don't have to give us uh, any money. We we feel terrible about this. It kind of it kind of went from oh, this is fun to huh, this is
3: awkward. But uh, but yeah, what do you think of the game? Did you have fun watching it, or was it uh? I mean, of I mean, course you it did. Was it was a good game. game. I was pretty happy with uh, the result because, I mean, I I think we all kind of are aware that the. The best time for a pro team to win a Super Bowl is when they have these players on rookie contracts, and I mean, they got the they got it done at their while they still had Mahomes under contract. So uh, I'm happy.
2: Yep, and they have a running back. They're not paying millions and millions of dollars to, which always seems to help out as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, you definitely can't be upset with that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was it was it was it was fun. I was pretty pleased with the result as a Seahawks fan it was impossible for me to root for the 49ers and uh you know the team that passes the most in the NFL winning is is always is always a good thing but we've got college football to talk about and uh yeah we're just kind of doing our, our wrap up for the uh, for the season here and i guess uh it's important for us to Quickly uh, mention how we did on the bowl games. I don't want to get into it for very long for obvious reasons. I went two and five. I had a miserable, miserable year uh, picking against the spread. You, however, did not. You were, um, again, over 500 in your picks for the bulls uh, went nice four and three and had a great season overall. So, so congrats to you. I think you ended the the season with the best
3: record between, uh, between the three of us. I mean, I'll try and do even better next year. That felt like I uh, started off really hot and then tanked towards the end of the year. Once anyone made like mention of the fact that I was doing well. So I'm blaming you.
2: Well, we'll make sure to, to not bring that up next year. Uh, as you, as you crush, we'll just not let anyone know. Um, how how good you're doing
3: i appreciate that that's i think that's what i need
2: yeah yeah uh so today is national signing day kind of fake a lackluster day no day. what's that? It's
3: fake national signing day the real national Signing right. day was in december
2: right right a little anticlimactic i i did write one thing down that i thought was was pretty great uh that's a four-star running back uh drennan uh he was kind of mulling over uh trying to choose between usc and kentucky ended up choosing kentucky and i just thought it was hilarious because usc man they just they just have a terrible recruiting class and can't do anything to change it and uh it, it's kind of hilarious i feel like me laughing about it is going to feel really terrible when they like upset everyone in the pac 12 next year end up beating oregon or
3: something like that and i'll be like dang it <laughs> I, I i was i was crowing too early yeah, I mean, he was all Drennan was one of those guys, he, he kind of was toying around with his recruitment. I think I saw him tied to like seventy five percent of schools in the country, so Right. It, USC was one of those late jump ins, but I actually really like him. He was a player that I was I was after he had turned down Ohio State, so mid summer he turned down Ohio State. When after that happened, I was pretty much rooting for him to go to Kentucky because He's kind of the all-purpose back they need, and I'm I'm actually really excited to see him play, and I think he could make an impact pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, yeah, that will be that will be interesting. Kentucky, uh, Kentucky might not be too bad next year. I know they have a, a decent a decent shot at not being you know the worst team in uh, in the SEC. So we'll see how, see how that goes. I saw a really interesting tweet from our from our colleague Travis May that I wanted to uh, to talk to you about, and that was. Um, so 24 of the 30 committed five-star recruits are going to just seven schools, uh, those schools being Clemson, Bama, Georgia, LSU, the Ohio State, Oregon, and Texas A&M. And I just thought it was really interesting, like even in a, in a sport with, like like college football where there's so many schools to go to, so many different options, uh, players coming out of high school from every state in the country, you know, like unbelievable that so many of them are, are choosing these same schools and yeah, just makes you wonder where things are headed. Um, yeah. What, what, what do you think of that?
4: So, I mean, it's, it's been kind of uh, no secret to everyone. Who's been watching this recruiting cycle is that the rich are getting richer. There's, there's been a very big gap between the top six programs in the country. And even you could probably say top four or five and everyone else, because it, it's it been, these, t- these top schools amassing talent um, at a rate that we really have never seen before. Like I'm pretty sure that Georgia is either they're very close to setting the 24 seven record for top uh, recruiting class score. And it's, it's not really a surprise to me when you hear that because they're doing like the amount of talent they're getting is just unprecedented. And so um, it doesn't shock me to see a stat or see a tweet like that. Um, I'm honestly surprised uh, Clemson doesn't have more because last summer, the, when they had gone on their run, it looked like they were going to have 38 um, stars, <laughs> yeah. even if there were only 30.
2: Right, right. Yeah, they've got five. But yeah, I mean, they have the most of anyone. Clemson's been just killing it it's it's really quite incredible um yeah like you said the rich keep getting richer and man i'm just happy that uh that oregon finds himself in there i'm sure you feel the same way about ohio state uh both finishing with top 12 classes uh according
4: to uh 24 7 sports so uh, hold up now i gotta look at that because ohio state oh they don't have str- so that's based on the composite one ohio state the reason i, I jumped and made a, a kind of a <laughs> freak out for a second is because in the twenty four seven ranking, so just their actual like their site, Ohio State actually has four or five stars. Okay. Yeah. So the composite's shorting us one.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I mean a lot of this it's it's uh it's hard to know exactly how a lot of this plays out, but uh the, the main premise is just like you said, the rich keep getting richer. Uh, there really does seem to be the the desire for for the best talent to go to the best schools. And and I don't know if you know, if that's going to change any, anytime soon. Um, let's get into some of the the news and notes. And then after that, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the players that we were hoping would maybe uh, go to the NFL for, for fantasy purposes that ended up, uh, deciding to stay in school for another year, and then after that, we'll we'll get into some uh, some more debbie talk, talk about some of our favorites for next year, as well as uh, some of the rankings that we just posted uh, over on RotoViz that you guys can all check out, and then we'll end the show with some bold predictions. So, um, yeah, so let's let's jump into some of the news and notes. Uh, we got the big news coming out of Michigan State yesterday. Uh, Mark Antonio resigns. Kind of a murky situation there. It's hard to know exactly. What is going on? Interesting timing, day before signing day, does not seem to have affected them much, uh, but yeah, kind of a I mean, kind of a dark dark cloud uh, continues to linger over Michigan State. I was watching, uh, I like Michigan State basketball. I was watching them lose the other night to Penn State, and he was in the crowd and addressed the crowd at halftime, and it's just it just feels weird.
4: Yeah, I mean it it was a weird kind of out of nowhere it happening because. They weren't, like, I sort of expected him to be gone after this year, but I expected it in December. Yeah. So this whole, it pushing all the way through until February is probably putting them in hot water and actually putting them in a situation where they they might have to have a lame duck head coach. Right. Um, I know there's some names that are floating out there like Luke Fickle and Pat Narduzzi or um, the two big name guys, but like they almost have to have a lame duck coach because why would Luke fickle leave the best group of five roster to go jump to a program where you aren't bringing in a good recruiting class. You're not bringing in, or you're not going to jump in and really transform 2021 and turn them in. I mean that recruiting class and you're, and you're very likely going to have a losing year with this Michigan state team as it's currently constructed. It was just a weird um, series of events. I've heard, uh, some people say they think that uh, the program just kind of gave them a little like handshake. We'll see you on your way and gave them that four point three million dollars to to leave the program. And I've seen others that have I mean, our, our good friend Jordan very much believes that this was a they were a little bit shocked by the allegations that came out. And this was kind of a quick get out of jail free.
2: It's rough, too. Like Michigan State had been. I mean they were like in the playoff not long ago and now yeah they're just kind of in a spiral and this is certainly not going to help like <laughs> they're not going to like you said likely be able to find a top quality coach that they that they'd want to this close to the season and uh the recruiting already hasn't been what what many people would have hoped or yeah even what you would have thought when they were on that trajectory they were on a few years ago and uh yeah I mean I think they had like the According to twenty four seven, like the forty third ranked class after like NC State and Louisville, like it's it's definitely not great. So it's it's a problem, and I don't see it getting better. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's unfortunate for Spartan fans, but it's uh, you know it's how it goes. It's qu- it's crazy how quickly the turn can happen for some of these uh, these teams that make a that seem to make a jump and then fall back down uh, pretty quickly. Uh, it just shows you how. Yeah, you know, the teams that can do it year in and year out, how, how, how rare that is, but I guess go back long enough and they weren't there either. You know, like when I was growing up, it was always like, you know, USC and Texas and, and now they're, they're kind of irrelevant. So it's, uh it's, it's interesting how the cycle uh, continues to, uh, to push teams down. All right, Matt, let's talk about some of the, some of the transfer news. We've got Jamie Newman
4: heading over to Georgia. what do you think about that? I'm happy it's Georgia and not uh, Oregon the room heavy rumor was Oregon and that's a that's a selfish reason because obviously Ohio State plays Oregon next year so I didn't want that uh I didn't want to face yeah and him. let me
2: interject but, real quick that Jamie Newman I should have said this uh former Wake Forest quarterback so you know who we're talking about yes but chooses chooses Georgia instead of yeah
4: Oregon which bummed me out a little bit let's be honest <laughs> well yeah I and I think if you're if you are a Jamie Newman fan the positive takeaway from this is that they did bring in Todd Munkin to take over their offense, so it should open up the passing game. He should force the ball downfield more than they did last year. And if you're a George Pickens fan, like we'll get into later, the, the offense should get a little pass heavier. And with Jamie Newman not wanting to run RPO, it's going to be it should be a good situation for him to actually elevate his draft stock.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, The other quarterback on the move is Eric King uh, ends up in Miami. What do you think about that? Do you think the hurricanes have a, have a fighting chance now, or do you still think that they're going to be, be kind of underachieving? I
4: mean, they better. Uh, That's kind of the only thing I can say is if, if they don't have a strong year, I I think Manny Diaz isn't, is gone. I think this was a very much a save himself type of move because if I'm being honest, I think Jaron Williams had a higher ceiling and the moment they made this move, he was gone. So I, I did think that this was a, if you're looking for one year of becoming relevant and actually having a fighting chance to beat Florida State to, I mean, get to the conference championship, it's probably a solid move.
2: Yeah. I I mean, we talked about him uh, beginning of last year as just someone who was super exciting someone who was really moving the needle over in Houston before he decided to sit out the rest of the year. And uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see what he can do, man. I, I, I like, I like when Miami is relevant. I think it's a lot more fun for, for football. I hope this does it. I'm not sure it will though. Um, I, I I agree with you that Diaz could be on his way out though. If, if things don't turn around, I mean, it's been, it's been pretty disappointing um, since he got there. And uh, I mean, they had that one year, but yeah, I think, for the most part, people have been pretty uh pretty underwhelmed. Any other news and notes you want to get to before we move on? Anything else? Uh, any any other big stuff
4: that you want to hit real quick? I, I Mike Leach, Mississippi State. I don't think he's going to be super successful just because Mississippi State is weird. Yeah, we haven't um, talked in a long and time. he's Not a great recruiter <laughs> because that was a while back. He'll be fun to listen to.
2: Yeah, how do we? Yeah, I guess I, I I I saw that on there. I was like, I'm sure we've talked about Leach already, but I guess we haven't recorded in a while. But yeah, uh, so you don't think he's gonna? You don't think he's going to be able to? Hang in an S- SEC land.
4: No, he's gonna get. He'll get worked. He was a guy that couldn't beat Washington year over year, and came out and said, "I don't have the talent to beat Washington." He's gonna go to the SEC and see what real talent looks like. Um, I do really like his re- uh, the replacement there. The uh, Washington State brought in Nick Rolovich, who was the head coach at Hawaii. Um, if you were worried that Max Borgie wasn't gonna get enough catches, he's still gonna get a lot of catches
2: yeah and you you like borgie he's a running back love Max Borgie. running back uh for the Cougs. we will talk about him for sure later as well um in our uh in our Debbie ranks uh discussion talk so yeah we'll definitely get into that so you you think this is a, a positive move or just a neutral move for for borgie having uh? Um, it's there? probably neutral
4: yeah um, I was a little bit excited that he might get to run the ball a little bit more when leach was gone um but with that being said, He's shown a strength. He's shown a skill set, and if he, I mean, even if he gets two to three more carries per game, and he's still getting this receiving work, his draft stock goes up.
2: That's good. Yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about him in a little bit. Yeah, before we before we move on to the guys who decided to stick around for another year, uh, I just want to let you know about our new sponsor, Bet Online. Now, if you missed uh, the opportunity to bet on the Super Bowl and you're kicking yourself because of it. Do not fret, dear listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big, no matter what time of year. We've got a lot of really exciting things coming up, like March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day is right around the corner. BetOnline has you covered for all your latest news, sports, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Uh, it's never too early uh, to, to bet on Super Bowl 2021, go for it, guys! Let, let's get nuts. So head over to betonline.ag and use the promo code Blue Wire to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, we've signed up; it's super easy. And if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to to, to support this podcast. So again, that's promo code Blue Wire, all one word. When you su- sign up at betonline.ag, I uh, I did a little bit of uh, of, of gandering for uh, this weekend's Premier League games. I'm a bit of a f- soccer fan, if you will. And uh, w- one of the lines that I really like that I'm going to put some money on is um, the Tottenham Hotspurs are, uh, just just need to, to win by one. It's a half-point line right there against Norwich City, who is not always great. Uh, so, excuse me, not Norwich City, Austin Villa. Uh, so, so go do that. Uh, well, excuse me, I won't tell you how to bet. I'm just telling you how I'm going to bet do go over to, to betonline.ag, check out some of the lines there. There's a lot of different places you can uh, bet, but we love bet online because it is easy to use, super convenient. And of course use that code blue wire and you will get a uh, 50% on that first deposit. Uh, so let's move on here. Let's talk about some of the uh, the bummers of, of players who for fantasy purposes, we were kind of hoping would um, declare for the draft, but they decided to stick it around. What was the, the big headliner for you? I'm curious who your number one, uh, disappointment was of the guys on the
3: list here. So my big uh disappointment in this class is obviously Travis Etienne. I wrote up I wrote him up uh before his bowl game. He was my 101. I thought he was a player that was gonna run in the four threes. I thought he was a guy that had explosive play potential with uh the potential for early draft capital. And then he decided to return to school because Dabo Sweeney is mean. A monster. I don't know what he's doing, <laughs> but Yeah, his guys come back to school. Um, Other one I was a little bit disappointed about was Chuba Hubbard. Um, My issue with him is I just don't see his stock going up anymore. Um, I know that you had put some concerns about his workload, but my big issue for him is just he's not going to become this Max Borgie pass-catching type. He's not going to be this super-duper explosive runner so I just don't know how he's going to improve from a two thousand yard year. So Yeah. Those would be my big two. Najee Harris was what it was. Devonta Smith, I actually think he probably benefits from it because uh if he'd gone out, he would have been compared to Ruggs and Judy, and I think he was clearly number three among that group. Yeah. Uh where who was your I guess your one that you were most disappointed to see come back? Mine was Chuba, actually, just because we had been so I mean you you kind of
2: uh got the ball rolling with him a, a long time ago like the I first do. year that I was on the show and uh and so he's been someone that I've been super interested in following so uh seeing him I mean I think it'll be fun for us next season to be able to talk about him so from that perspective yay, yeah, that that's fun woohoo but from a from a dynasty perspective I was pretty bummed about him but but Etienne as well uh I I was talking to you a couple months ago about like I've set myself up pretty well in one of my leagues to have uh, some uh, some some high my picks and I was excited to use them on guys like Etienne or Chuba Hubbard and and them not being there available for me uh, selfishly is is disappointing
3: yeah I mean I, I totally get it it's this year's class went from being loaded to feeling like you probably only are super thrilled if you're in the top five and right if you're running back needy you're really only happy if you're in the top three I I, I think I'm with you on that and it I don't know. It's funny that Jordan and I spent two years telling you that the 2020 class was going to be this <laughs> yeah. greatness. And I, seemingly like every other year, it just it fell off. And it, it is disappointing. So you know what that means? We should... 2021. <laughs> 2021. No, I, I mean, it's it's part of the reason why I like Debbie because you do get to the guys you like. You, you can kind of get them early. You don't have to wait around and. I mean, I think that's why I'm now trending more and more towards doing Debbie Leagues and even traditional Dynasty Leagues. And a big part of that for me is just I like being – when I know a guy early is going to be awesome, I like to think I'm ahead of people around me. And right. And we'll see if that pans out to be
2: true. but Sure. Well, I was going to ask you, does this change uh, – I mean, I know this – happens a lot where we think people are going to declare and then they end up sticking around and, and vice versa happens sometimes too. But will you kind of adjust your projections regarding uh, what year they're going to declare after this season? Cause to me, th- this, some of these names really took me by surprise, uh, especially Etienne uh, took me.
3: Yeah. I was, I, mean, I, was he, I was stunned. He's the one on the, uh, of this list. He's really the only one that is a true shock to me. Like, Like I said, Chuba Hubbard was a disappointment because I just don't see his stock going up. Najee Harris has never been a bell cow; will never be a bell cow. And I just I think for on his end, he just he's thinking national championship, and I think that's probably the same way with ETN. I think ETN was probably very disappointed by that national championship result, and that's hard to project. Like I, I mean, if we're being blunt, I'm not surprised Nico Collins is returning to school because he was fine. He was better than his teammates, but he was fine. Um, Tylan Wallace is coming off a pretty serious injury. So I think he, he actually sees himself as a guy that could really improve his draft stock. So some of the, when you see those types of names it, it they make more sense, I, I don't know it to say, will I move my projections on, do I want to say a guy comes out as a junior? If I'm being honest, I, I want guys coming out as a junior. I don't want them staying four years. If they're a receiver, I don't want them staying four years right. if they're a running back. And it's because. I I think that you have a much higher success rate if you um, come out of school early. So I think it was Curtis tweeted out it. It's like I mean it's almost like a four to one hit rate, like percentage of players that hit when they come out early compared to the players that stay four years how they hit. So I mean, for me, I'm I'm not moving it because if I'm high on a player and the city situation is leading them potentially having high draft capital. I think that's where I, I still have to project them as seeing that opportunity themselves. My miss is, I mean, I thought Tyler Johnson was coming out last year. Um, and truthfully, if you ask me now, I think Tyler Johnson is, he's way down my board now because of he didn't go down last year.
2: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really difficult to overstate just how important, um, like the age when you enter the the NFL, like how impactful that is, and that's one of the things that I'm worried about with Devonta Smith. Um, he's going to be a 22 and a half year old uh, wide receiver when he enters the NFL, um, and, and like we've seen on road like we've we've got all the studies there that you you could want to look for, and and there's a huge there's a huge um, relationship between draft age and and productivity. Now it doesn't mean he can't be productive, but it, it uh it certainly scares me a little bit. Does does that specifically with Devonta Smith, does that worry you at all, the fact that he's gonna be almost 23 years old when he enters the NFL?
3: I mean if he's a round one pick next year, if he if he's a top three wide receiver, no. If he falls to like sixth or seventh in the class, probably a little bit more. Um mm-hmm. but I was lower on him to begin with. Like we'll get into it here in a sec, but like I have Jalen Waddle over Devonta Smith, um, and I'm the lowest, I think, in our four rankers on Devonta Smith. And a big part of it for me is just I always felt like he was the the fourth guy in that room. Yeah. I think Jalen Waddle was clearly the guy that scared you with the ball in his hands the most. Jerry Judy was the best route runner. Ruggs was the guy that stretched the field. Smith is awesome. He does everything really well, but I think you – he was very clearly fourth in that room. So it's just, he, he's an interesting test case because I I think his draft capital next year is probably going to be the only determining factor for me because I've given up on how I'm going to look at market share numbers for Alabama players. I've given up trying to compare them to their teammates. As we talked about, these rooms are getting more and more loaded than they've ever been before. And they were the prime example this year. So if he if he does come out have a a quality year and then is a first round pick, I'm not afraid of Devonta Smith. That's a I think that's the right
2: perspective. I think draft capital will be yeah. huge for him. That's a that's a really really good point. Um, I'd love to hear before we jump into uh, our rankings uh, for for Devi. Who are some of your just overall some of your some of your favorite guys? Not necessarily uh, your one, two, and three or anything like that. But who are some some guys that you uh, you really are excited about uh, for this upcoming year.
3: I mean, we can talk about the dude that I've been, I'm standing for right now, which is Chris Alave. I am easily the highest in our uh, ranking group on Chris Alave. I think I'm, if if we actually look closely, I'm probably going to be the highest person overall on him. And I have him, I think I have him 16th overall. Yeah, 16th yeah. overall. He is, He was the alpha in this year's room as a sophomore in this year's wide receiver room he is very likely going to be the alpha wide receiver in next year's wide receiver room for Ohio State and his numbers right now he is trending better than Michael Thomas across the board um and i think he is only going to put together another more another productive year if i'm just so at- i want to i want to pipe in real quick because
2: um i did my rankings before you did and so i was looking at the other guys um, cause I was like, man, why are they so low on a And I was like, you know what? I want to make a statement. I'm going to put a uh, in my top 20 wide receivers, uh, make a statement. And then, like the next day you put yours up and you have him as a, as a top, top 16
3: player wide receiver 11. I was like, Oh no, that's how you make a statement. <laughs> well, and, I, I so, mean, and I, and as much as like, I, I think that they are in the wrong on this. And I've talked to Travis about this privately. If I haven't talked to Curtis yet, and I'm sure I will, but, I think he is in competition very closely for the best wide receiver in the Big Ten. And if you look at where I have players ranked, I have Rashad Bateman as the fourth overall player and I have Rondale Moore as the second overall player. And I think that there is going to be legitimate debate at the end of the year of who is the best wide receiver in the Big Ten. And I think that it's going to be a three-man race between Olave, Bateman, and Moore. And Mm. I, I don't see much... Of uh, like I don't actually see a situation where Alave is getting less than twenty six percent of the team yards, and probably is still Fields' number one threat to go down the field, even with the incoming talent they have.
2: I was gonna say even like because that that wide receiver room is is loaded. It's not thinning out. It's and, it's got a lot of competition, and I I was gonna ask you if this could be. Similar to what we have been seeing at Clemson and at, and at especially Alabama, where you've got a lot of different contributors, do you think that that could lower the ceiling of not
3: Olave's mm-hmm. skill, but of his uh, just production numbers wise? Potentially, I think he's is he, one of his big things for me is that he's over seventeen yards per reception every play, so he's proving he is a capable field stretcher. Um, he is. He, he developed a very quick rapport with Fields, so it's clear that Fields went to him first, which is why if you looked at the big plays in the playoff uh, semifinal, he was looking for Chris Olave in those spots. And he the reason that on the make-or-break play that ended up costing him the game, his eyes were on Chris Olave. He wanted to throw the touchdown pass to Chris Olave. I think that is a very notable thing, and I think that he is – likely the guy that's standing out. And I have to point this out. I love Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson is the most talented receiver that has stepped foot on Ohio State yet. But I think Chris Olave is going to be the more productive one next year. Um, but at the same time, do I think his numbers are going to be as pretty as Rondale Moore's? No. Do I think they're going to be as pretty as Bateman? No. Do I think they're going to be as nice as Jamar Chase? Probably not. Um, but the big reason on that I'm not worried about that is because I have – taken a step back over the last couple of years and said, yes, there are these thresholds that I love. There are certain numbers that I am looking for. Like I still want to see 29% for a career for receiving our market share of receiving yards. I still want to see some, you break out with a 0.30 dominator. But when you look at some of these rooms, like you look at Alabama, you look at Clemson, you look at Ohio state and even LSU last year, it's no one's going to be dominant because you're not looking at this giant talent gap between them because you do have four legitimate first round picks in the room. And I just think that it's it's a new wave and it's going to actually cause a lot of analytics people to freak out because it does take a little bit of nuance because you're going to have to potentially see things with some context. You're going to have to say, yes, he only got uh 26% of the yards for his career, but he did it when he was surrounded by two other first round picks and his draft capital is a first round pick. It doesn't matter if his numbers are substantially lower than a guy playing with no other NFL talent. I think you um I mean
2: yes, I think people will give you a hard time okay. having specifically Olave ranked high because of your mm-hmm. allegiances to Ohio State, but I do think you make a good case for it. And I I, I think, you know, if you would have ranked him um, you know, top five, I think people would be giving you uh, a little bit more hell. But I think, I think you, you, you make a good statement putting him where you do. Um, again, you have him at uh, 16 overall, wide receiver 11. So, I mean, it's not like you're projecting him to be the best. You're just projecting him to be a lot better than uh, everyone else in the industry. I don't know about, I don't know about everyone else, but at least uh, the four of us. Uh, but but I'm, I'm guessing probably higher than, than most people. But yeah, so I think I think that's a really good one. He was definitely someone that I wanted to talk to you about because I knew you'd have a good perspective on him. Uh, who Who are a couple other guys that you yeah that you're really excited to see what they can do?
3: So yeah, from a Debbie one perspective of my here? other one of my other guys this year that I'm going to be all in on is um, C.J. Johnson of Eastern Carolina. He broke out as a uh, he was on pace to break out. I think he ended up falling just short of the .30 Dominator uh, for East Carolina last year as a freshman. I love to see that. That is the type of thing you don't see very often. And particularly in a school like that, where you're air raid, anyone can step in most of the time. They're still not throwing it to freshmen for 30% of their plays. And he was one, he was their primary target. And I think that's a guy that is going to put up pretty ridiculous raw numbers over the course of his career, which will get him in a position where he could be similar, like Zay Jones, where he ends up getting second round draft capital, just getting that alone if i'm going to be getting him for the equivalent of like a fourth or fifth round pick that's the type of guy that i want
2: and uh and and just so people know because uh if they don't have your rankings right ahead you have him as your wide receiver 22 uh your 46th player um i believe overall so it's not like you're talking about him as a top 20 guy but someone that you know i don't think i even ranked him in our top 60 and uh yet someone that you you feel you know, again, higher on than, than maybe a lot of other people. Um, and, and part of that, I think too, is just, um, you, you have divin, you, you have divin, that's not a word. (laughs) Dove. 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 You have, you have breached the waters of the, uh, of, of the the smaller schools looking for, I mean, like, I mean, your articles that you're writing every, every week for road is you were, you were diving into this. And uh, I think you have a little bit more exposure than, than some of us um, on, on some of these guys. So I definitely, um, whenever I see you talk about some of these guys that I maybe wouldn't be as high on, I, I, I circle them um, and realize, okay, I need to go back and do a little bit more homework on these guys because there's, there's probably
3: something to this. I'm trying to look at yours really quick and seeing if there's anyone that you have low that I, I want to, I would bring up. I mean Alave. I mean he's. He, I he's mean, my. Yeah, but you're not low on him compared him. to normal people. We'll talk. Uh, here's the other one. Kenneth Gainwell. So Kenneth Gainwell is a red. Was a red shirt freshman for um for Memphis this year. And at the beginning of the year, I was selling. I told everyone to buy Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor was the guy to own. Um, he had 900 yards the previous year when he was sharing the workload with Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson walked out. He was going to be this great buy. He was going to put up ridiculous numbers. Well, Patrick Taylor got hurt in week two. Um, he was available to come back from like week six forward. He lost the job. He just actively lost the job to Kenneth Gainwell, who had one of the more productive seasons among all running backs in the country. So he's a guy that is maybe someone that's a little undervalued right now. Maybe he's a third-round pick in Debbie Drafts. Maybe he's even slipping to fourth round. Um But he's a guy that is probably worth that second-round pick because, as we've seen, Memphis players have enough recognition that they can still get early draft capital. And at the same time, he, as a redshirt sophomore, made a significant impact. I don't think he broke out by our standard, but he made a big enough impact that he will be noticed. So he's a guy I really like that I think people will – Eventually, raise the up their ranks.
2: Can I can I ask you why you're so low on a guy? And this is not just because um, of my love for our, our our good dear friend Journey Brown. Damn Did you hear that? <laughs> um, I uh, we're not we're not no ads for uh, Xfinity here. I uh, I was pulling up stats, and of course, uh, an ad came on. Happens. Yeah. So, uh, so hope you all enjoyed that. I know I wanted to talk a little bit about, about my boy who, who I started touting, um, after his big game, first pit journey Brown, he ended the year, uh, super strong. And I think that he could have some staying power. I don't rank him super high. He's my running back 20 overall. Um, I've got him like just inside my top 40, um, but I, I don't think you ranked him at all. Do you just not believe in the in the player, or do you not think there's going to be a role for him? Are you down on Penn State in
3: general? What's your, what's your thinking here? My answer to that is sort of yes. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's I think he's a decent player. I think that I, we probably have oversold how good he was. Um, I think he was a really good player. I think you could make a case that Noah Kane or Devin Ford are actually better than him. Um, at, or have looked better than him at times. Journey Brown was always sort of the consistent, won't really screw it up for you type of guy on that team. Um, But he only finished, or he finished the year with 890 yards, averaged over 6 yards per carry with 12 touchdowns. He, he, he averaged a very 6.9. nice 6.9. Yeah. Like, almost 7. I, I mean, mean, it's impressive. Okay. I, I, well, 6 is my threshold, so he, he was over 6. Yeah. So, averaged about one reception per game. He's fine. I, I mean, I'm probably too low on him. Truthfully, he's probably the guy I should have in there instead of Justin Shorter, um, who I'm, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about I that. Can't. Cause you've been given shorter such hell. I don't, I I mean, the problem is, is I, I, it, he's my Doriel green Beckham in the sure. sense of he was the number one overall recruit or number one overall receiver in his class. And it's so hard um, to pass up on him. I think he's fine honestly, the problem is, is I just think he lacks significant ceiling. And when I'm looking in players in that range, I'm really looking for more ceiling and you can kind of, that's where I differ from a lot of the other rankers is there are a lot of guys in our ranking group that are looking for this is, we have this known asset they have produced. Um, Yes. But the problem is that, that at 40, you're getting kind of mediocre production. And that's where Do I look for some of the upside that comes from the group of five? Do I look for some of the upside that comes from just athleticism and pedigree? So, yeah, I probably am. I probably should have him in there instead of Justin Shorter at that spot. But truthfully, I think, I mean, he's sort of in that Muhammad Ibrahim range for me in the fact of, yes, he's good. Yes, he can make an impact if he gets on a roster, but I don't think any NFL team's going to be sprinting to the board to pick him. I, I think the the reason, like just talking about upside, uh,
2: once Journey Brown got the uh, the ability to handle the majority of the of the work, or at least getting double digit carries on a regular basis, like the second half of the year, he he had a touchdown and at least one touchdown in almost every one of those games. Like uh, from November on, like he was getting hundred yards and a touchdown pretty much every game and uh i mean in the bowl game he he went for 202 yards and two touchdowns you know so i think the, the 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 ceiling could be there if he is able to 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 get the job and he is only a sophomore so i think uh we could see a nice jump uh but yeah uh your your point is 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 duly noted and i can appreciate the fact that you're not super super high on him um one of the things one of the other things that i wanted to chat with you about real quick here uh was just uh your approach to quarterbacks um I think in a super flex league, it would be a little bit different. Oh, so yeah. maybe, uh, just talk about both of those, uh, maybe talk, um, cause our rankings were not super flex, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe talk about what you did, uh, for rankings, um, outside of a super flex, and then maybe just give us a quick little, uh, uh, deviation on how that would have been different with super flex.
3: So outside of a super flex league, so in just vanilla PPR leagues, um, It sort of even changes based on like the number of teams in your league. So I think if you get to like 16 teams in your league, a quarterback becomes even more valuable because I mean, there are only so many of them. So you get that positional scarcity. Um, But in a vanilla PPR, assuming like 12 teams, I'm going to push a lot of these guys down my ranks because I do think I can find decent production um, by just going for old guys in the NFL and if I'm going to be taking them, I'm going to be looking for the upside. So uh, I would have had, I've would had Trevor Lawrence basically right around my top like 15 players uh, pretty much since his arrival on campus. Justin Fields is the other guy. I put them right in that same category because I think they're going to be one, two in the draft, whatever year they come out. Um, and then beyond that, I'm basically looking pure upside. The only other guys that I rank in my top 60 are DJ Ulongolele. Um well done. Well done. I think I said it <laughs> wrong, but whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna lean. Closer into it. than I would have been. <laughs> um, so DJ Langalele, who is actually Trevor Lawrence's predator, he's the guy that will eventually take he's the heir apparent in Clemson, and that's actually why they just had another quarterback transfer out. Uh Spencer Rattler, he was the number one quarterback in his class. He is going to Oklahoma where his number should uh or he's playing at Oklahoma where his number should be very strong. Um, and then Jaden Daniels and Sam Howell, they both played as freshmen. They both had moments where they looked very good, but again, they're very unproven. What I'm mostly saying is, is that in my Debbie picks, I'm probably not getting a lot of quarterbacks in, in non super flex situations because I don't value them as high. And I think that I would rather stockpile my lotto tickets on running back wide receiver and, really just those two. And then I'll take flyers late on younger quarterbacks and I'll stash them. So then yeah. my, I guess my strategy in that spot would be use a third round pick. If I'm not seeing anybody I like in that range, use that third round pick to buy an older quarterback for a roster. And then in my last round pick, go find the freshman quarterback that I can stash. That, that makes sense. A couple of things.
2: Uh, One, just like speaking to how you kind of value the wide receiver and running back. You ranked in your top 60, you ranked more wide receivers and more running backs than I did, uh, because I do have a few more, um, tight ends and quarterbacks in there than you. So (laughs) what can I say, man? I, uh, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a sucker for, for, for Revan Jordan. So, um, but, but, uh, one of the other things I want to just chat about real quick was we mentioned him earlier in the show. Why isn't Jamie Newman on your list at all? Is he just outside the top 60 for you? Is he not someone that you, you really see, uh, being able to transition into the NFL, what's what's your reasoning behind um, him
3: not being on your list as of right now? And this could change. I don't see him as a pro. I don't, or mm-hmm. I mean, I think that he might be. So next year, we obviously know that the two top quarterbacks are going to be Fields and Lawrence, barring craziness. So those two guys being your top two quarterbacks in the draft, his best spot. Tanner, you do know that Tanner Morgan is going to pull a Joe Burrow on us, I don't right? Care. <laughs> heard it here for don't care i'm just kidding um but so uh uh, so trevor lawrence and justin fields are going to be one too so if jamie newman comes out this year he's looking at qb3 in this which probably puts him around 10th pick fine great i think he's good i think he could be an nfl player he's another one of those guys i just wake forest doesn't their system didn't really lead to nfl success like that style of play doesn't traditionally lead to nfl success it's not to say that he can't it's not to say that i won't push him up my ranks eventually But if you're if I'm looking at what I think has the potential for him to be someone I'm going to target, I just don't like I don't think I would take him above guys like Jaden Daniels, guys like Sam Howell, guys like Spencer Rattler, who I just think have a a pretty significantly higher ceiling. Any one of those three guys, Daniels, Howell and Rattler, I think could be Mm -hmm. the number one pick in their respective draft, whereas I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any path to that happening for uh, Jamie Newman. So. Like I said, I don't value them. I don't value the position as high. And maybe that's to my own detriment because I'll be scrambling to find a QB.
2: Okay. Now talk to us about Superflex.
3: Now, in Superflex, fuck all that. Um, (laughs) Number one pick. It's a different game. It is. And I I mean, I think in that spot, I would probably rank 10 quarterbacks inside of my top 60. Um, Number one and two are are Lawrence and Fields. Truthfully, Longalele is probably a top three around pick for me. Um, I know that the guys over at Devi watch will probably hear this. I'm probably going to target him with one of my early picks in our Devi league that we're in this year. Um, yeah, I mean, and he's a guy that I think has super high ceiling and it's another one I'm shooting for ceiling. I'm shooting for guys that, um, I are, are going to be difference makers for me. So I don't want to get, I don't want to get an Eli Manning that I'm sitting there going, cool. I can't start you ever. Um, even though you're a right. starter. Um, I don't... So that it's... I, I'm looking for superstars, and I'm going to push those guys a little bit higher. The guys I'm on your list that I didn't rank, um, that I probably should have, in there, that I would, Jamie Newman would work his way into the top 60. Either Keaton Slovis or JT Daniels would make it into my top 60. I don't think I can have both. And then maybe... Two. Yeah, I'm hedging there, I guess. <laughs> One of them is going to start, and whoever it is would probably be someone that I consider yeah. and then maybe Tanner Morgan's like number 60 overall for me. I think that's I think that's about where I'm looking at it though is yeah, I'm going to put those two guys high, but beyond that, it's probably Fields Lawrence 1 2 and then 20 is my next quarterback. Um yeah. my rankings are going to generally stay the same. I'm just going to push a couple of guys down like a spot. I thought it was interesting just kind of moving back to
2: just uh, our rankings in general. If you look at our first sixteen picks, you have eleven wide receivers. I have ten wide receivers. So you can see um, that we both uh, value the wide receiver position uh, pretty heavily in this type of format. Um, and I, and the reason is 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 pretty pretty clear. But I'd, I'd like for you to kind of lay that out for for our listeners why you kind of have um,
3: a more wide receiver heavy approach uh, earlier on in your rankings. I mean. It- Yes, I do value the wide receiver position a little bit more because they can have a higher longevity. Um, Typically, actually, for Debbie, I tend to value um, running backs a little bit higher because they're a little easier to predict. Will they get to the NFL and be successful? But, and this is going to anger some people when I say this, I think outside of ETN, Hubbard, Harris, a lot of these running backs suck. Um, Hmm. I have master Teague ranked inside of my top 20 because I think that there's a strong chance that a guy that weighs over 215 pounds and will run a four, four will be drafted early. My problem. I don't think master Teague is guaranteed to be the starter at Ohio state this year. Um, I think he showed a lot of issues last year. Keontae Ingram, I have inside of my top 20 because he had flashes in his early production they have two five-star young running backs on their roster that may cut into all of his production. Right. I think that my issue with the running back and the reason why they're actually pushed down more than I would be really prefer um, is because I think that there's a lot of question marks um, with this group. I mean, Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks are guys that we've talked about a lot. I have no faith in them. I actually spoke to a couple of people I respect, and they have them both outside of their top 60. Um, it's because there's a there's <laughs> well, just a, there's so many people that have question marks about these guys, and it's just I, I think that the the guys that we were certain of, a lot of them did leave, and now that sure. those guys left, now we're looking at the three that we're confident in, and the three or four that need to do something else. So Borhe, we talked about him. We'll talk about him all season. I love him. I love the fact that he's going to end the year with 65 receptions or more. Can he get to 150 carries? Like I'm a little bit concerned that the NFL isn't going to give a guy like that draft capital. If he doesn't have a 150 carry season, um, mm-hmm. Kylan Hill. That's what I was going to ask you about next. I love Kylan Hill. I think Kylan Hill is great. You want to know my, my, the thing that scares me out with Kylan Hill. So a guy just came in, his name's Mike Leach. He doesn't really like <laughs> the right. ball very much. And also Kylan Hill just went back for his fourth year. What's happening. Yeah. Um, and then last uh, or the other few guys uh, people are high on uh, Zamir white. We haven't really seen anything from him. Zach Charbonnet. He's a relic. He doesn't catch the ball. I know you don't
2: like him. I am I still, I have not given up on him. I actually have him as my RB seven.
3: Um, I believe I think so he's, I'm, I'm, I think I'm higher on a very capable run up the middle back, but I am afraid that the time of when his running back type will be successful is gone. Um, What about Jamar Jefferson? He was someone that you liked earlier on in the year as
2: a college player, but we never really talked about your perspective on him as a pro. I don't think he has
3: a high draft capital ceiling. I think that he is his absolute best is back half of the third round. When you're talking about a player like that, it's hard to put them in a situation. It's hard to put them in top 30 overall. And it's just because there's going to be other options during his year. And there's going to be guys that come up the year behind him that are more exciting. So I love Jermar Jefferson. I think he's going to have a very strong year, but I also think he's going to be in college for four years. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's really the only thing for him is I in my initial ranks I did, he was behind Brooks and Sermon. I went back and said it to myself. I'm like, there's no chance in any league I'm in that I would take Brooks or Sermon before Jermar Jefferson. So I bumped him up, and but that's about as high as I can put him. Yeah. What about freshmen, uh, just sticking in Mississippi
2: here. What about, um, like we are talking about, um, Jaron Ealy. Yeah. Jaron, Jer- Ely. Ealy. We haven't talked about him. He's another guy that averaged almost seven yards of carry this year, uh, as a freshman at Ole Miss. What, what do you think? Uh, what do you, what do you think about him? I mean, he's super young. Uh, do you think he has the potential to do anything special or is he just another one? I mean, you've got him as your I army mean,
3: 14. He was one of the top running backs in last year's class, 700 yards, uh, rushing as a freshman is really solid capable pass catcher, 20 receiving, or 20 receptions, and when you're splitting time that significantly, that's pretty impactful for me. Um, Yeah, I mean, Ely's a guy I like. He's probably actually one of the guys that I'm a little bit low on that I think I might want to push up. I probably wouldn't take Charbonnet or White over him. I probably wouldn't take him above Puka, but that's, I think that's kind of where it is for him, is he's another one that, I have no confidence he's going to be have the draft capital, and it's just it's like I said. The reason I push running backs up is because I think they're going to they're easier to predict capital, and there are a few guys that I really like, but their draft capital is really difficult for me. So, yeah, so I yeah. pushed up guys that won't have high draft capital but are more
2: fun. <laughs> that works. That works. And you have to get Garrett Wilson in your in your top twenty five overall. Did I get so you have to push him up? He's twenty fifth. Oh no, he's twenty fourth. He's yeah, you got him. I, you got him. You did it.
3: That was you, you that was intentional.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's he's in my top forty. But uh yeah, no, I think he's special. I uh I think it'll be interesting um, before we, before we uh, shut it down for the day, let's get into some bold predictions for uh, the next year. I'd love to hear uh, just who, who you think uh, give me your, your, if you were putting money down today on who you think is going to win the Heisman, uh, what would you do as far as uh, just who you think is
3: going to win and then give me a dark horse. I mean, I think the one, two, the obvious one, two are the two that we're going to say for our pick. So I'll, I'll say mine, mine's Justin Fields. I think he's going to have a lot of rushing success. I think he's going to have another really good passing year. Um, I just think I think it, on a strong team that is a improving passing game, Justin Fields is going to be a Heisman finalist. So the fact that he isn't the favorite, I think Lawrence is still the favorite to do, or to win. Um, the fact that he's not the favorite, that would be the guy who I put my pick down on
2: um yeah. my dark horse. and i've
3: got trevor Lawrence as mine so yeah yeah uh, continue your dark horse. my dark horse is a guy that is basically not listed anywhere but i think there is a non-zero chance <clears throat> a non-zero chance that bryce young comes into alabama and wins that job before the season starts if that happens he is throwing to a ridiculous <laughs> group of receivers a, yeah probably ridiculous tight end that i don't know um is handing the ball off to a really strong running back. And he's a very mobile quarterback and he's very accurate. If he is the starter, that is a guy that at the end of the year is going to put up ridiculous numbers, similar to the way I felt about Trevor Lawrence. So that's just, he's a name to keep an eye on uh, over the summer. If all of a sudden we start seeing these reports that Bryce Young is the clear leader between him and Mac Jones, look and see if there is somebody out there that has him at a hundred plus to one just put down a little bit of money. I wasn't even
2: thinking of him when I, when I was thinking about this and uh, when I saw you put it down, I was like, Oh, that's a good one. Because yeah, you're right. If he wins that job, I mean, he's going to have weapons to throw to. I mean, we look at like Joe Burrow. uh, We talked about him a lot, but I mean the weapons he had just made it so unfair. Like, and uh, yeah, so Bryce Young, yeah, you just have to just have to hope that uh, that Mac um, doesn't, doesn't take that job. Um, my dark horse was Kyle Trask quarterback for Florida. Uh, I think, you know, I think that offense could, uh, if they try to build it around him and let him play his style of, uh, of, cause he, he is a different quarterback than what they were building for, but he took over halfway through the year. I don't remember exactly when it was. And I thought he looked good. I think he could do a, a really fine job.
3: That's right. Yeah. Cause your buddy was at that I game, right? know that Cause <laughs> my buddy was like, dang it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but it's a last time I checked, which was a couple of days ago, is a sixty to one. Um, you can do a lot worse than that, and I think he could have a, a really solid season. Let's do breakout. Our next, st- let's do breakout star yeah. before the office yes. national champion. Wherever, yeah. I'm a homer. Yeah, well, yeah, the
3: national championship. We'll will we'll hold off for that. Let's see your breakouts here. So I've got a few. Uh, Brennan Eagles was a five-star receiver coming into Texas. I think that now with Duvernay and Colin Johnson gone, there is a void at the top of the wide receiver group. He is really talented. He had moments last year where he was the most explosive wide receiver on the field. I really like him. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Joseph Nada. I think, I think it's Nada. Um, He was a five-star receiver, came into Clemson's room last year. They just lost a guy by the name of T Higgins. He's really talented. Just another guy. Uh, Trey Sanders running back for Alabama. Uh, He got injured before the season last year and, Really didn't – or did he get injured? Did I make that up? Um, I don't know. i got to look this up. Trey I will say you, we
2: both have Joseph not a, in our top um, – let's see. You have him as, as your number 15 wide receiver. I've got him right around there as well. I'm a number 13 wide receiver. So we're both very high on
3: him for sure. The thing that I'm doing – the thing that makes me feel gross about that is that they had another – they have another five-star, Frank Ladson, who is an, another guy people think really highly of. One of those two yeah. will break out this year. Trey Sanders didn't get any run last year. He's going to get some run this year. They just can't keep the number one running back in his class off the field. And then my Heisman Dark Horse, Bryce Young, like I said, I think he's the best quarterback. It's gonna If they don't start him right away, they're eventually going to start him. He is the best, most talented quarterback on that team. He gives them the best chance to win a national championship, Bryce Young.
2: Yeah. It sounds like what you were saying about Trevor Lawrence a couple of years ago for sure. And I was like, no, they need to continue to split time. This is great. (laughs) It's so hard to, it's so hard to, to, to scout team them and to coach against them when they've got two different quarterbacks and, I was wrong. (laughs) So, um, uh, my my first guy uh, is Kyle Trask again. um, I think he's going to be a a big breakout star. I think people will be talking about him. I like Derek King. I think he will be. um, I think he's been really solid. I think he's going to have a really strong year. Um, And then, gotta throw a running back in there. My boy C.J. Verdell. I don't know if people know him nationally. He's a running back for Oregon. He is such a good. um, He is such a good running back. He's able to do an awful lot. He is. He's. Uh, got breakaway speed and he can run it up the middle too. And I, I think Oregon is going to be relying on the uh, the run game as they always do, but maybe even more so with uh, kind of unprovenness at the quarterback position. So CJ Verdell is someone that I'm definitely looking at, and uh, definitely wouldn't put any money on him
3: for like a Heisman because he's a running back. But I think he's gonna have a solid year. Yeah, kill me now. I didn't rank him in my top sixty. So yeah, I was gonna bug you about that. Yeah, CJ Verdell's a top sixty player. He's a top thirty player. Yeah. Take him before Trey Sanders.
2: Yeah, I have Verdell. Where do I have Verdell? 25th. I know he's in there somewhere. Twenty fifth. Do I have him 25th. that high? 25th. Yeah, twenty fifth. Yeah, running back twelve. So I've got him. I've got him right behind Borgie. I got some some Pac twelve guys in there, but uh, yeah, I, I I think he's gonna have a have a hell of a year. All right, who's your national champion? Uh, I'm gonna take
3: the team that's gonna start the season ranked number two, uh, and that's Ohio State. Uh, I'm a so home. are they gonna lose to Oregon and then win out the rest of the way? <laughs> I hope you don't <laughs> cry too much. Uh, Dude, I've already put an L on the sheet for the Ducks. I, mean, <laughs> it's, I, I it's think that'll really be a good game. Um, oh, I don't. I, we don't, I a, do. we don't I even do. know who
2: our quarterback is.
3: Jamie Newman. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll be – I think that's the the one game that Ohio State, if they can come out early and run the score up on a team that is has high expectations, then, yeah. I'm going to have no doubt in my mind that this is a true national championship contender. Um, yeah. But I i mean, your picks smart too.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm going with Clemson. I mean, the, I can't, I don't see much getting in their way. I mean, I know they always have one or two games that are a little bit closer than you'd like, but they'll get through uh, the ACC pretty safely, I think. And uh, yeah, that's all they'll need to do. Um,
3: but yeah. I mean the name that we. My house is one falling us, apart around me. It sounds like it. The guy, that name, the team that we did, haven't mentioned really much at all, even though it has our number one overall player on both of our ranks. Uh, like, or no, <laughs> dang it, our number one receiver on both of our ranks. What is LSU ceiling next year if Miles Brennan is the starter? What do you think? At least I don't know. I, um, it's. It's
2: I I kept waiting for LSU to, to, to fumble it this year with Bert. Like I so I just, I, I, even though they won and they won convincingly um, I still never bought in like people like LSU greatest college football team of all time. And I, I just don't know. I mean, I think Jamar chase is special. I think they've got a lot of really talented players
3: still. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now, Uh, home against Texas, I think that's a winnable game, but I'm definitely not calling it an instant W. Uh, at Florida, I think probably is a loss next year. Um, home against Alabama, at Auburn, I think this team could legitimately have four losses if they start the if they start the wrong quarter. I mean, and I didn't even say at Kyle Field, Texas A&M. I mean, mm-hmm. are we looking at an LSU team that if like if things break wrong? all of a sudden they go from national championship to seven and five. I mean, that would be shocking. It, it would be, but I just read their you, their schedule. They have three or four very hard road games. Toss-ups. Yeah. And yeah. I think they have five toss up games if they don't get good quarterback. I like, I think what there's a real chance that the exciting LSU that we saw last year is dead. Oh,
2: get oh, the fire Oh, the fire's roaring hot. They, I love they it. They no longer have Joe
3: Brady, and they no longer have their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Yeah, I, yeah. there's a chance wrong. that they they go to being a we run the ball with John Emery 50 times a game. I hope not. I hope they learned yeah. from their successes this year. But I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that this that team just falls off a cliff in the joy factor.
2: Well, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to see what Vegas puts as their, like the betting win total. And we can have a fun discussion about that when that comes out. Cause I, I think that'll be, that'll be a really interesting one. That might be a place where you look to, uh, Uh, to place a bet there, Matt. Yeah, That's good stuff. We're going to be back with you um, throughout the off season. There's, there's, I mean, there's no really, there's not really an off season anymore. We're getting right into the time where we need to be discussing dynasty stuff. So uh, you want to stick around with Rotaviz for all of that. Uh, Be sure to be subscribing to the podcast so that you can uh, find all of our episodes as they drop. Um, Follow us on Twitter, follow uh, Matt at wispy, the kid follow me at stay fun, Co. thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being back in your ears in the next couple of weeks or whenever it might be. Matthew, any parting words Bye, Chris Alave? Yes. Yes. Not goodbye, but go by him. Go by. Yes. Him. Yes. Excellent. All right. We'll talk to y'all later.
4: The wait is finally over road Roadshow is back.
0: October 13th, Jiffy Lube Live, featuring Slipknot. With Killswitch Engage, Peter 333, and Code Orange. I Tickets on sale now at livenation.com. Part of the Metris Warehouse Concert Series.